0: Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Father, in this cry of our hearts that we just sang, there's nothing more than I want than you. Something that we can say here, and it's truly, I believe, a cry of our heart, but it is a daily battle. That I may cry that out and I may want that, but it's something more difficult to live out. So, Father, I just, in this room, may it just more and more of our appetite be for you than those other things that pull us from you. Father, as we go to work and go to school and do life and do relationships, that you are the guide and the lens by which we do them. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. So that should be a new song for you. Because Shauna and Jason wrote that. So that's their song. So don't tell them I told you. All right. But I think that's one of the beautiful things about life and doing life with Jesus and worship is that there are new songs and old songs. And there's opportunities for us to express who God is and, and worship. And so... These things come out in your quiet time or your private time and just expressing that to God. So, good stuff. We continue our series, Mastermind, and this morning I want you to to know that uh, our minds are incredible things. And so over the last few weeks as we've been talking about it, thinking about it, and even maybe you've done some research on your own, is to understand that the more we understand about science and the body, the more unique and more complex and incredible it is of how God could create out of nothing this thing the human body and how just how it works and one thing depends on another and just how it interacts with each other and so this morning I want to think want you to think about your eyes because if you're like me you have distorted vision if you don't have your glasses on so as, as you get older I've heard that that happens as well and uh, things begin to change and distort and you Things at night even, it's harder to see at night. And so our minds begin to interpret things differently and we see things differently. And so our optic nerve is a very important part because what we see through here is actually just light impulses through your eyes and it transmits all this information from your eyes all the way to the back of your brain. And in the back of your brain, your visual cortex interprets all this information and you see what you see. So your reality of what you see is actually just a whole bunch of light coming in, and then in the back, through the, the nerves and everything that's going on, and the optic nerve interprets all this information in the back. And so in the back, you can see all of these different colors, when in reality, we only see three colors. We see red, green, and blue through the cones in our eyes, and then somewhere along the way in there, the nerves change it, and all of a sudden, we see a variety of different colors. We don't just see red. Blue and green, right? Okay, okay, maybe my world's different, but yours, all right? And so you see all these different colors. And then this other thing that we take for granted is that we actually see 3D. And so now that our TVs are doing it, we're like, whoa, we don't live in, a, live in a two-dimensional world, but we live in a three-dimensional world. And so, again, the way that we interpret that information through our optic nerve sends it to the back. And so you're getting these light impulses, and if you get the same information from your right eye and your left eye, and it goes through your optic nerve to the back, that's how you get three-dimensional seeing. So it's really stereo, which now all the guys are like, yeah, I get that. And so you got these two things, and they're going in, and they're feeding into the back, and then boom, all of a sudden you've got multiple colors, and you've got three dimensions, and this this beautiful world that we live in. But if in some way along the way or somewhere in life your optic nerve is disrupted then your vision is distorted and you don't see things in the way so you may be colorblind, or you may have astigmatism and so that changes some things and so all these different nuances to our vision can change and distort how we see things and so I remember the first time that I got glasses and I put them on and I was like whoa there's actually leaves you know you get to see things differently and so the same is true for us in life, is that the way that we see things is through the lenses with which we perceive them. Because when we see things, we interpret them, and based upon what we see and what we interpret is the actions that we take. So if you're driving, and you see something, and you know that your brain is seeing it, it tells you to take evasive action. You take evasive action based upon the information that you're taking in because of how you're interpreting it, and then your behavior responds to that. The same is true for us in life is that we receive information and based upon the information that we have and how we interpret it through the lenses with which we view it is then how we behave and we respond and we react. We call that our worldview. And so that as followers of Jesus, the lens with which we should view the world and see the world should be coming in and and filtered through and seen through this And so it's interpreted through this so that as then we come in, then we make responses and we react, or even sometimes the decision should already be made, so there's no decision to be made as through the things that we see and we can respond appropriately. Here, Paul, as we continue this series on mastermind, Paul shows us a way that there are times in life when we're in a place or a situation or circumstance that we're in it, and our normal question may be, why God? Why have you placed me here? Why am I in this situation? And Paul says, "Hey, maybe the better question is, what God do you want to do with me in this circumstance and in this situation?" So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter one. We saw last week in in, um, in Ephesians and a couple other Second Corinthians, we saw that hey, that if we believe a lie and we hold on to that lie and we live out of that lie, then actually that we're we're in a bad situation, and so we're we're making bad decisions. We're living life inappropriately because of we've believed a lie and it's a stronghold and that the way to overcome that stronghold or that fortification is to constantly consistently assault it with the truth and that at some point the assault of the truth will break down those fortifications will break down that stronghold and then we take those thoughts those lies captive and actually submit them to the will and to the word of Jesus Christ and so this morning following up on that this idea of mastermind is that there are times that you're going to be in situations and circumstances that may or may not be of your own making, but to understand that God is in those situations with you and that what is it that God wants to do with you in those circumstances, in those situations. So here in Philippians, we have Paul, who at this point in his life is actually in prison. Not somewhere he was planning. As a matter of fact, Paul was planning to be elsewhere. He was a jet setter of a missionary. He was going to and fro and consistently traveling. He was moving around and he was starting churches and he was going to all these different places. And so now you can imagine this jet setter forced to be in one place. So he was kind of in his own prison anyway just because he was stuck there. But then he was actually physically in prison. And prison wasn't the place that he had intended, but he was stuck there for that season and for that time. And so because he's there in prison, many people are hearing stories of, hey, Paul's in prison, and immediately, what do we begin to think? It's dank, it's nasty, there's not good food, there's, he's wearing an orange jumpsuit, I mean, all the different things that we think about, right? And so Paul's in this situation, so you're hearing all these stories, and so Paul is wanting to encourage some of the other churches and say, listen, the church at Philippi was a sister church that he had helped start and was a part of. And they wanted to encourage Paul because they thought, man, this is not where Paul would want to be or we want Paul or where we want Paul to be. And so they sent some gifts and some encouragement to Paul in prison. And so Epaphroditus shows up and everybody should have their kid's middle name be Epaphroditus because that's a cool name. And so Epaphroditus shows up on behalf of Philippi to encourage Paul And lo and behold, Epaphroditus was encouraged because Paul had reframed his situation. Again, a situation that the rest of the world and most of the people were saying, hey, this is a horrible place to be. Paul turns it around and says, hey, this may be to the world a horrible place to be, but this is exactly where God wants me to be. Because I wouldn't be able to do the things or have to be able to part of some of the things that I need to be a part of. Because in myself, naturally, he wanted to be traveling and starting churches and doing the things that he believed God had called him. And we know that God had called him. But for a moment, God said, Paul, stop. I've got other things for you to do in this moment. So Paul had to literally be put in prison so God could do what he needed to do that was necessary. For the furtherance of the kingdom and for the furtherance of the gospel and so even in our own lives There are going to be moments where we're going to and fro and we're doing the things that god wants us to do But paul may, god may stop us And say look we need to deal with this. We need to stop for a moment and even in those maybe made dark places Find life and see what god wants to do in us and through us in those places So here paul's in prison And epaphroditus shows up and here's the letter That Paul sends back with Epaphroditus. And so imagine Epaphroditus in front of the Philippian church. And he's in Philippi. And he's reading these words. Starting in verse 12. Verse 1. Or chapter 1, verse 12. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened here has helped to spread the good news. Now listen, this is exactly opposite of what you would think. So Paul's the guy going to and fro and now he's stationary, and he's going, hey, I want you to know that the very reason that I'm here, I, this good news is spreading. It's not stagnant. Which people are going, huh? How's that, Paul? You're, you're stuck. You're the guy that's going from place to place to start churches. Now you're here, stuck. And Paul says, listen, again, God has a plan for this, and good stuff is happening, and the spreading of the good news is happening. Then verse 13. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard... Knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. So here's the first good reason that Paul is stuck in prison is that everyone that comes in contact with Paul knows that he's in prison not because of his character, not because he's killed someone, not because he stole something, not because he's done something wrong or there's a something with his moral or his will character wrong, but he's literally in prison because someone tattled that he was a Christian and there was enough evidence of him being a follower of Jesus that he was arrested. And so now he's put in prison under house arrest and people are like, whoa, Paul is put in prison and the people that are the ones guarding him are like, If there was anyone that shouldn't be in prison, it is this man, Paul, because he is the utmost character. The only reason that he's in prison is because there's enough evidence to prove the fact that he's a follower of Jesus Christ. And so his character is of the highest character. And as he's having interactions with the palace guards, they're looking and they're saying, this guy's actions led him to this place. And instead of saying, woe is me, he's saying, wow, look at the opportunities. Look at the options that I have now because God has placed me here because I'm being obedient to the call of Christ. I'm stuck in this place, but I'm not stuck without a purpose. I'm stuck here with a meaning, and let's flesh this out. And so as he's having people like Epaphroditus come back and forth, the palace guards get to hear his encouragement. His palace guards get to hear him every single time that someone comes in and begins to talk about the gospel. Every time he comes in and they get to talk about Jesus and the good news, the palace guards may be standing at, at still and there, but they are listening and hearing. So every time that there's a change of shift, every one of these guys are getting ready to hear and are hearing. The gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. So even while Paul's in prison, Paul's saying, hey, the good news is this, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is penetrating even the most, the most difficult and the hardest of people to, to penetrate and to get into is the palace guards. These are the men of all men, and they are over and over and over hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. And they're saying this is Paul is a man's man because he stood strong and he's courageous and he's in prison, And he's sharing why he's in prison and the good news. Verse 14. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Here's the second reason that Paul is saying, hey, this is the, the perfect place, the perfect time. The reason that I'm in prison, the reason I'm in bondage because of Christ is one is that people that would never have gotten to heard the gospel of Jesus Christ are getting to hear it. And then those that need encouragement, that are actively serving within the body, that are maybe in a down place and that their church is getting going well, or, and then persecution is beginning to get heavy and beginning to get strong. And so they're able to come to Paul, and Paul would normally be going to and fro, and, and hopefully at some point these questions or the situation would get to him. But now they know exactly where Paul is at, and so they seek him out, and say, Paul, we need words of encouragement. And so he's there emboldening them with the message of Jesus Christ. And again, not only is he able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also people are coming and get encouraged. And so the good news is being presented and the emboldenness of the church and it would normally wouldn't have happened if Paul was going to and fro with the magnitude that it was. And so Paul was able to reframe his situation. Again, everyone else would have said, Hey, Paul's in prison. And normally most of us would say, woe is me, and Paul said, listen, as I sat here for a little bit and I prayed about it and I thought about it, I understand that God has me here for exactly a purpose, and for this purpose alone is to continue to invade the soldiers with the good news of Jesus Christ and to be an encouragement to the church at large because I've now still long enough for people to come and to sit. And then also the other part of this that's not really talked about in this passage is the fact that it's as a letter. And so he was writing letters to the church. So he's, again, long enough. And so, as we know about Paul, Paul didn't write, personally didn't write most of his letters, but he was, would be talking about dictating to one of his secretaries or one of his friends and so again as he's talking to the church of galatia as he's talking to the church out of ephesians or philippians or even writing out the romans the theology of romans those palace guards are listening and other people are coming in and they're having these discussions and so all of this stuff that we would normally say paul you should be busy doing the work of the good news of jesus and going and doing all these missionary things paul was set in this moment and instead of saying woe is me Look at all the opportunities. What are those situations and circumstances in your own life where you've been forced to sit? We've been forced to stop. That you've been in a situation or a circumstance of your own life, sometimes of our own doing, that we're forced to just re-examine our life, re-examine where we're at, and maybe the first question that we ask is, God, why would you allow this to happen to me? In my own life, about 19 years ago, Becky and I were about to have our first child. And we were excited. First child, right? You get the news, hey, I'm pregnant. You're like, yeah, the little thing turns blue or the pluses or whatever happens. We're like, yes. And so the very first thing, I'm like, we're pregnant. And so I'm like, okay, Becky, hold on. Just stand there for a second and I like, find the belly button. And I'm like, Luke, I am your father. You know, and I'm mean, begin. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but we're training them up. And so I'm, like, talking and all this stuff. And so every time Becky's like, please leave me alone. And I'm like, no, I wanna, I'm, I'm excited about this opportunity to be a dad. I'm scared, but, but I'm excited about it. And then about 12 weeks in, Becky comes to me and she says, hey, something's not right. And so then we lose that child. I'm like, oh. I'm like Luke, I wanted to be your father. This is what I've dreamed about. This is what I'm, I'm excited about, this opportunity. So initial, my reaction is, God, why would you do this to us? And now I know that this is not just me. I know this happens all the time. But why me? And So immediately, you know, obviously, as we go through that whole process and go through this thing, people would come up and love really well on Becky and like, hey, we love you. We care for you. We would say, hey, I've walked through this, and I've done this. And, and one of the things that I've found is, is that dads sometimes get left out of that equation in those things, or potential dads. And so I was grateful for all the love and care shown on Becky. And then one guy, a friend of mine, came up, and he put his arm around me, and he said, hey, Chris, we've lost five and i know where you're at where everyone is loving on your wife and no one thinks about how much we've bonded and had the similar dreams and similar hopes and similar aspirations for our child but i want you to know that we've i've walked this with you and when you're ready i want to as a brother in christ i want to talk to you and be available to you because i i understand where you're at and in that moment it reminded me of us Second Corinthians chapter one, where Paul says to us and reminds us that God is a God of great comfort, that He is the example of comfort. As a matter of fact, it says, God is our merciful Father and the source of all of our comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. In all of our stresses and our prisons, He comforts us. So that when they are troubled, others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. So in that moment, my friend who had been in that prison came alongside and said, listen, I've been in that bondage. I've been in that prison. I've been in that situation that I didn't understand. And I asked questions and I wanted something different. My hopes and dreams were different. But God has allowed me to reframe it and to see that God is with me. And he was able to, because of my relationship with him, he was able to bring peace that passes understanding, that he was able to bring comfort, that he was able to bring things to me that outside of my relationship with God would not have been possible, but that he, a person, came alongside and said, I've walked this road. I can help you through this. And those moments that you want to press away from God, I can remind you that it's best to press into him. And for us, the same is true. That there are prisons in our life, and for some of us, there are prisons that we've walked through that we don't want anyone to know about, and that we've kept hidden. We don't want anybody to know that part of our story or know part of that. And that the very reason, one of the reasons that God has... Walked through that with us is because he wanted us to experience him and that there are opportunities in our future to share our story with others and come alongside and say, listen, I've been in that cell with you. And I can tell you that even in that same cell, God does not leave you or disappoint you. He comforts you. In the darkness. And in the loneliness. And most of these prisons Are based on lies that we believe and the things that we hold on to. Paul reframed his situation and saw an opportunity. What is your mindset when you are where you're at, you hadn't planned to be in life? When life doesn't go according to your script and according to your plan, what's our reaction? What's our mindset? What are we filtering our life and our circumstances and our situations through? And Paul would tell us, stop for just a moment and begin to ask God, God, what are you going to do with me? For if there ever was a person that didn't deserve to be in prison, it was the person of Paul. As a matter of fact, it was the evidence of who he was and who he claimed to be and with the zealousness of his faith that he was where he was at. And he was able to reframe it and say, even here, is an opportunity for me. For us as followers of Christ, the prisons that we're in, that we're involved in, I pray that you would begin to reframe it through the truth of Scripture, that the lies that we would believe would be taken captive and be thrown away, that we would find the truth, and that the truth is that God doesn't leave you or forsake you, And that even in the most darkest of places, that even through that, He can develop your character and give you opportunities to share the gospel and to be an encouragement to other people. That we haven't arrived, that we're imperfect people on a journey together, fleshing out who this Jesus is. What are the opportunities that are before you? Let's pray together. Father, each one of us at some point and in some way are in prison. For some of us, our prison, are, we would say it's our finances. For some of us, we would say it's relationships or a particular relationship. Some of us would say we were in prison because of a job. Father, some of us are in prisons, maybe even most of, mostly of our own making, but to know that you are still there with us and haven't abandoned us. So, Father, I just pray for each one in this room this morning that as they think about their prisons, of where they've been and where they're at, Father, may we see the opportunities. The opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ the opportunities to be an encouragement, the opportunities to share how you have impacted our life and how you've changed us and are changing us and transforming us. Father, I pray that our minds and our hearts will be such that we ourselves could be convicted of living a life of following Jesus, that we ourselves could be thrown in prison for the way that we live our faith. May we live life like Jesus, as Paul pursued Jesus. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.